Hi folks, Dr. Christine Sauer here with Sparkles for Mental Health. Uh, welcome to the show is uh, Jem Fuller, a new friend of mine who is a colorful person from Australia. And we will talk about conscious communication. And Jem, tell us a little bit about your colorful story and how you come to be so passionate about doing what we're doing today. Sure. Hello, Christine, and, and hello to all of your listeners. Thank you so much for having me on your show. Um, a little bit about myself. Wow. Well, I'm, I should start with the present moment. Uh, my partner and I have four teenagers from 18 through down to 13 years old. So our life is um, very happy and full with with all of that um, parenting fun and joy and, and challenges and struggles that go with it. Um, our oldest boy just graduated from high school this week. So he is feeling euphoria. He tells me, he says, dad, is this euphoria? Is this what euphoria feels like? <laughs> and I said, it must be. So he's going to be. Don't you remember coming. your graduation? Yeah. Yeah. He I feels... remember mine. I remember my boys' graduations. And yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. Just he said to me, you know, I, I now I don't need to feel like I should be doing something else when I'm having fun. Always for the last, you know, so many years when I'm doing something that's enjoyable, I think I should be studying for my exams or I should be doing my schoolwork. Now he said, I can be completely in the moment. I don't need to be doing anything else. And so he's enjoying that, which is lovely to see. And, uh, and we live uh, in a small surfing town on the coast. So it's, it's a nice small town. And although the, the state here in Victoria, Australia had the longest, strongest lockdowns over the last two years um, and the city, especially the city of Melbourne, uh, we were locked down more than any other place in the world, apparently. Um, but where we live down on a farm, we were very lucky because we live on a farm and we could be outdoors in nature and we could still surf in the ocean. So we had our nature connection and we had quite a big bubble. Um, so we live uh, in community with my family. So in the farmhouse, just next to my farmhouse is my brother and his partner and their little children. They're four and two years old. Our mother lives with us. Um, we have the four teenagers. So we were very lucky you know, through that. You know, I work that as a, is really an important point because you live what it sounds like very close to nature and nature yes. is a big healer. Massive, massive healer. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of great research too now coming out of places like Japan where they've been as scientifically as possible measuring the benefits of nature immersion on our well-being and our resilience and our health and the, the benefits are measurable, which is for people who need data, um, that's great. That's a good <laughs> point. People who need data, uh, come on. I always say I've done scientific research and I'm a little cynical about it. And I say, don't trust any statistics that you didn't falsify yourself. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of that outside because uh, you need to follow the money trail when it comes to evaluating the truth of something or not. Yeah, sure. Yeah. And it is sad in a way. And I believe the greatest truth that we can find and that we get to your conscious communication is in the end, your own individual intuition and judgment. And Buddha said it, don't believe anything. 
Don't believe anything anybody says, not even I, if it doesn't agree with your own intuition and judgment. And I think yeah. you should never forget that. Yeah, I and you know I've lived I've lived my life like that and it's it's um it led me to have a very colorful and very diverse life. So Let's here I am. Let's go back to that. Yeah, yeah. So here but I am in you, 2020. Were you born in Australia and what did you do then? No, I was born in Holland. Wow. Um, yeah, in a town called Harlem, uh, which is the original Harlem before the Harlem in New York. And um, but my parents are not Dutch. They just happened to be there. Um, I had quite global parents, which led to me being very global through my adult early adult years as well. And so then we moved to Australia and, and I grew up in Melbourne. But when I turned 18, um, I just couldn't get far enough away from my normal paradigm. I was so curious. So I spent my 20s and early 30s traveling around the world. And I was very curious to go to places that were very different to where I grew up. I wanted to be I wanted to experience different cultures, different ideas, different paradigm, you know, different. For some reason, I was just so thirsty to find out how other people lived uh, and experienced their lives. And that, you know, for me, when I became addicted to traveling in my 20s, I was I would find any way I could to earn money around the world. So I've worked as a fire dancer. I've worked as a tattooist, a motorcycle courier, a kindergarten teacher in Taiwan, for a year, I was teaching little four-year-old Taiwanese kids, which was wonderful. Actually, funny little story there. Um, I was working in a school called uh, Buckley American School in a, in a small village in Taiwan. And the woman who ran this school, she wanted to give kids an American education because in, in Taiwan at the time, they wanted to be like the United States of America. Um, so they, we had to teach these kids when we were teaching them English, we had to teach them American English and we had to teach them American phonetics. So here's me and with an Aussie accent. And I had to teach these kids to say, it's a hot day. We In Australia, we say hot. It's a hot day. But in America, it's a hot day. And so I'm teaching these kids American accents. And I'd come in every morning and I had 20 gorgeous little four and five-year-olds. And I'd come in every morning and start the class and they'd say, good morning, teacher. And then I'd say, how do we say it in Australia? And they'd all go, g'day, mate. <laughs> <laughs> it was really, Sounds really. Sounds like a lot of fun. Really, oh, really cute. your favourite job of those colourful employments? But my favourite job probably was that that teaching job, teaching four and five-year-old kids, you know. It was, it was really, really lovely. And, you know, uh, and a very, I took it, um, not seriously as in I didn't have fun, but I took the responsibility of being a primary influence in these young people's lives. I took that very seriously. You know, I felt very honoured to be trusted with these kids. And, you know, there was one little girl. Do you mind if I share this story? Oh, no, go ahead. There was one little girl who, when I first started my job and I took over from the teacher before me, there was one little girl who never said a word. She never spoke. And the teacher who handed over to me was, it was terrible what she was saying to me. She said, oh, that girl, she's, I call her a cabbage patch kid. I, she doesn't say anything. And she was being derogatory to this little girl. And I thought that was terrible. Anyway, this, uh, this was back in 2000. So 22 years ago, back in the time when male teachers could still actually, and it was in Taiwan, not in America or Australia. So the rules and regulations were more loose. 
So I was actually allowed to have physical contact with these kids, healthy, normal contact, whereas now I don't think you can. But so with this little girl, she needed extra love. And I just knew that she did. So every morning when I'd come into the classroom early to do my lesson plans and plan out the day, I'd just pick her up and just have her on my hip, just holding her while I did the lesson plans. And she got comfortable with me holding her. We developed a closeness. She started speaking. She started putting her hand up and answering questions in class. She was exceptionally bright. She was super intelligent. And she gradually came out of her shell with love. And then, um, and then one day we had the parent-teacher interviews and I had a, an interpreter because her parents didn't speak English and her parents came to me and they were in tears and they said through the interpreter, they said, our girl never spoke until she had you as a teacher. And now she comes home from school and she tells us everything that happened in school that day and she's talking to us and they were crying and thanking me for helping their girl come out of her shell. Um, so, yeah, I think that's probably my most rewarding job I've ever done. That is very, very rewarding when your natural tendency to love people brings results. Yeah, yeah. And it is right said eyes, that yeah. nowadays a natural reaction like that, which had no sexual intent at all, would be no. misinterpreted and misconstrued as something that it never was. Oh, it's that is, yeah, it's that is very upsetting to me when I see that you can't even hug people anymore. Isn't that ridiculous? Yeah, it's completely ridiculous. And I still do hug. Um, I, my partner and I are big huggers and and we hug, you know. And yeah, yeah, it's well, interesting. I love you know, physical touch, I love mm. closeness, I love intimacy. It doesn't have to be sex, doesn't No, but that's right. Even with my husband i call him husband we're not married but it doesn't matter we're together yeah. for 24 years we still go hand to hand when yeah. we are out in public and sometimes yeah. i look at him and say give me a kiss yeah hey. and he does it doesn't matter if you're in the middle of a crowd who cares yeah 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 and absolutely i think it is important to emphasize that that is an important part of humanity and human life and humans oh. needed to thrive yeah. Very and much. when you mask not just the face but all expression of love, it's sad. No yeah, wonder the... people crumble and fall and lose the sparkle. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was just about to say that. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. My um, my brother, I've got, I had two brothers. One of them died um when he was thirty years old, and he was a shining, sparkly star. Um, you know, and you know how they say that a star shines its brightest before it expires. He was the human version of that. And he was a big hugger. He was tall and strong and full of heart. And he would hug you and hold you. And then if he felt that you were feeling uncomfortable, he would lean and, and whisper in your ear, 10, 9, 8, seven so he would give you the countdown so you know oh i have to stay here until he gets down to zero so you would relax into the hug and then um and when after he died for years i would have people come up to me and say are you tim's brother because we looked very similar and i'd say yes i'm tim's brother and they would say to me he changed my life with a hug how beautiful is that that you is know? lovely 
Can I yeah. ask what he passed on from, what he died from? He had a motorcycle accident, so it was immediate and um and it was only it was only three months after our father had died from a brain tumor. And he my brother was living in Canada where where you are. He was living and working in Canada with his wife. And when my father was dying, they moved back to Australia to come and we nursed our father uh, through palliative care at home. And his passing was quite beautiful. Lovely. And my and my brother had said to mum, I'm going to move home and live with you, mum, and look after you when you're grieving um, dad. And three months after dad died, he was gone on his motorbike. Yeah, that is mm. a lot to deal with. So when did you end your world traveler thing and settle down with your family? Yeah, so I when I became a father. So um, in my early 30s, I'd fallen in love and we got married and we were still traveling around the world. And um, and then we wanted to have children. And when we had kids, we said, well, we better settle down, you know, and I and I thought I should probably get some sort of career. You know, I, I didn't have any qualifications. I didn't have I had never been in a job. You know, for that's a lie. 12 months. <laughs> well, I had the life qualifications. That's what I mean. You had a lot yeah. of qualifications, just maybe not what traditionally is called a qualification. Thank you. Thank you. I think Christine. it's so ridiculous. I have lots of qualifications and I always say, so what? Yeah. There are papers on the wall. They yeah, don't thank matter. you. What matters you. is what is here, what comes yeah. out of there to help the person in front of you, right? Yeah, it's so true. Thank you. And, you know, it's it's interesting because with my work now, I work as a leadership coach and, and author and speaker. And I have more work than I need, um, which I'm very grateful for. And no, and, and I have no pieces of paper on the wall, none. And nobody ever asks me for them. Nobody ever asks me for them. They hear about the work that I do and the results that I get. And they ask, will you please help me? And, and, and I do. So, yeah, you're right. That is the ultimate qualification, you know. Hmm. And and I said it, I, I did a little mini course and I said that the ultimate qualification, you have been there. You're human. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So tell me about what you're doing currently. I know you wrote a few books, one you're giving away on your website for free and the link will be underneath the video and in the podcast description. So all listeners and viewers can get that book. Yeah. And maybe they can explore the other book that you are talking about. Tell us about that. Thank See? you. So the the book that is available um, <clears throat> on Amazon and Booktopia, anywhere you buy books, it's there. And we're very close to releasing the audio book version of it. And that's been recorded. It's just being the post-production is, is being done now. That book is called The Art of Conscious Communication for Thoughtful Men. Mm. And it's actually for everybody. I, I, I put for thoughtful men because I'm really hoping men read it because men really need this book or not just this book. Men need help. Um, but everyone, I mean, I'm getting lots of emails from, from females who've bought the book and read it and said, thank you. It's a great book. I'm trying to get my husband to read it. <laughs> um, the audio version will help. And just one tip, if you're a woman and want your husband to listen to a book, tell him you need to listen to audio books to fall asleep. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, right. That's how yeah. I get my husband to listen to all kinds of important uh, personal growth <laughs> literature. Yeah. He loves it. <laughs> That's a great idea. Yeah, yeah, good idea. 
Um, and so the art of conscious communication, I, I started writing this book, um, you know, somewhere into the, the pandemic when we had more time at home. And I knew I was going to write a book um, for a long time. I just didn't, hadn't chosen which idea. And then this idea came to me because I'm so passionate about communication. And after coaching now for more than 10 years, uh, it is very clear to me that so many of the challenges that we face interpersonally, whether it's at work or at home or anywhere, is when we come unstuck in miscommunication. Uh, and 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 also communication, we take it for granted, but communication is the, it underpins our ability to be successful in every aspect of our life. You know, even if you have an idea to, to manifest that idea into reality, you need communication. If you can't communicate the idea, it's not going to become uh, what it can become. And also, you know, it, it's the bridge. It's the bridge over the divide of difference is communication. And also, obviously, you know, in our most intimate relationships, it's vitally important. And our relationships are the quality of our life. If your relationships, the important relationships are not healthy and humming and sparkly, then your life is not great. You know, so we overlook how important communication is. And I think that my idea around more conscious communication is being more aware of the communication itself. So being able to um make it less about you and when i say you i mean your ego your sense of identity and to be able to elevate beyond that and understand for the greater good of us you know because communication is a sharing you know it's a it's a connection between people um so yeah there's a book that that i've written and it just won an award i'm very very happy and elated that it just won an award and i've just been congratulations Thank you, thank you, and, and I've just been in did LA. A TEDx talk, and that is always yeah. a big event. What did you do? What did you talk about? The talks about the book. Well, kind of. It's I took three lessons from the book and shared them in the talk. Um, and and so yes, please watch the TEDx talk. I think it's really important. Uh, the message. I think it's an idea worth sharing, right? Um, and yes, I was just in LA meeting. I've now got um, an agent in America, uh, Scott Miller who um, was from Franklin Covey and Scott Miller and his partner have launched an agency, a literary speaker agency, and they're representing me in the States. Excellent. So, now, yeah. let me ask you for all those that are not familiar with Franklin Covey. What is yeah. it? Yeah. Franklin Covey is a leadership organization. They, they, they teach leadership. And the Covey comes from Stephen Covey, the late Stephen Covey senior, who wrote the book, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, which is a great, still a great book. A, um, so that's Franklin Covey. Yeah. So it's a little bit like John Maxwell Institute. They're quite famous too and similar institute. So it's excellent. And I'm so happy that you are now available and promoted also in North America. Yeah. Because I think we all need communicate more consciously and it's the same when I work with people I always tell them it matters how you say things how you say yeah. things to yourself because it's also a relationship yes with yourself you communicate yes. constantly with yourself and people tell you the most horrible things they yes. tell themselves the most horrible things they yeah. treat themselves worse than their best friend yeah yeah I could not agree with you more, Christine. In fact, the first, the book's in four parts. And the first part of the book is it starts with you. 
and it's exactly what you're saying there's um you know the the first quarter of the book is about your relationship with self and and it really matters doesn't it because your relationship with self is the quality of your mind and your whole experience of life your whole version of reality is experienced in your mind you know all of the information that you receive from the environment around you we receive in bits of information you know the light that comes through our the pupils and reaches the optic nerve and then is represented as a visual hallucination really in our mind based off the evidence from around us and the sound, all of the sounds that we hear come through the waves in the air and reach the eardrum and is translated in bits of information and represented as this beautiful landscape of sound in our mind but it, but our whole experience of life is in our mind and so the quality of our mind matters and we can curate the quality of our mind and that really is this relationship with self which is our relationship with the past and everything that we are hanging on to or, or unresolved with or or even that we might be okay with but has informed our our pre um perception of this current moment is based on our experience of the past so I, yes i agree with you at this relationship with self and people don't even stop to pay attention to the quality of the words they use when they're reprimanding themselves you know or when you're standing naked in front of the mirror after a shower and you're looking at yourself in the mirror what words are you using when you talk to yourself because quite often they're horrible you know and like what you said christine we wouldn't we wouldn't even talk to our enemies the way we talk to ourselves you know so yeah look i agree with you i think it's so important I, I really think what you're doing is a very valuable service. So uh, tell us a little more what's in your future. Are there more books? Maybe Chicken Soup for the Female Soul? Uh, conscious Communication for the Female? For yes, the yes, yes. Female? Yes, it is. There's a whole series. Um, there's a whole series of the Art of Conscious Communication books. So there's one for leaders, teams, partners, parents, and I'm going to co-write with my beautiful partner, my, the gorgeous woman in my life. We're going to co-write the art of conscious communication for women. Awesome. Or females. Okay. Or, but I'd like to have her write that with me. You know, I think it would be good to have a woman help me write that book. Um, so, yes, there's all of those books. And there's another book that I'm writing at the moment, uh, which is called Simplicity, Using the Five Foundations to Create Your Best Life. And I'm also passionate about demystifying these philosophical, ideological concepts and turning them into practical strategies day to day. What can I actually do today that will be a 1% habit I can form that will transform my life? You know, taking these lofty concepts and then turning them into practical applications. So that's a book I'm writing as well. Right size. That's what people of this current world need because yeah. the attention span is going down. Dr. Daniel Eamon, one of my yeah. mentors, he always said the attention span of human now is shorter than a goldfish. <laughs> That's true. A goldfish is nine seconds. Humans in 2016 was eight. Now it's about five or six. Oh, yeah. I know. Have you read um, Johan Hari's book, Stolen Focus? No. 
Yeah, it's his I latest know. book, and it's exactly on this. Yeah. So Stolen Focus by Johan Hari. And there's a exact- lot out there that are good books. So the compound effect, I like it too. There's a lot of, of yeah. tiny habits, of course, all those books. But yeah. uh, I'm looking forward to seeing more of yours. Thank you. So with that background you have, the thoughtfulness mm. that the people that listen or watch you on video feel from you and the understanding that you developed in your young years. <laughs> You're still a young man. Uh, let the listeners know or the watchers, if they want to contact you, where can they go? Ah, uh, you can follow me. I'm most active on Instagram uh, and LinkedIn, but mainly I post a lot of ideas on Instagram if you want to just get ideas. Uh, but if you want to reach out to me, you can do that through my website, gemfuller.com. And on my website, you can find everything. Like you said, Christine, there's there's an ebook there that you can get for free. Um, there's a mindfulness meditation course that I, that an easy introduction to mindfulness course that I've made. Uh, there's my bigger course on resilience. Personal resilience is there. Um, yeah, lots of stuff. And you can email me through the contact form and my team will get that to me and I will email you back. I'm I'm still very accessible. Um, so yeah, through the website is the best way. And uh, I, I'm really passionate about people having some, like I said, some tools, some daily practices that can help them repair and and resolve this relationship with self and then with life so that they really can begin to experience a beautiful really beautiful experience of of living this human life wow jem thank you so much for being a guest on the podcast all your links there will be the main link for your website underneath the video but in the description will be all your links uh, uh in the podcasting description and if anybody wants to contact the gem and uh, uh, buy the box, check it out, maybe even work with him, make sure you contact him. Thank you so much again for being a guest on today's podcast. Thank you so much, Christine. And that was today's version of Sparkles for Better Mental Health course in five dimension. Make sure you listen to the next episode in a week. Bye-bye. <laughs>